Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Sarah Reynolds. I'm Bea Williams. And I'm Wendy Papazan. Today, we're going to talk about something that is affecting many, many people in our country and around the world. Uh, We're going to talk about burnout. Burnout rates are through the roof. And for those of you that are listening that are in the real estate industry, uh, it's been a really tough two and a half years with the pandemic. I mean, uh, imagine in the first part of 2020, we didn't know what was happening. Some people couldn't work. And then our workload accelerated. We had maybe the best two years of our life. And now as we roll into 2023, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, business is down. The real estate market is tanking. The economy is not doing well. And, uh, and so it's really a struggle because, you know, on one hand, we might be thinking like, oh, finally we get a break, you know, after the last two years. But at the same time, we're having to also, you know, provide for our families and make sure that we have enough business. So that means, you know, in sales, it means you have to work three times as hard to get the same amount of leads. So, um, so what's, so what are you guys thinking? What's going on? I, I want to just catch up with you and, and hear how your businesses are doing. How are your people feeling? What's, what's going on? Don't jump in so fast, Sarah. <laughs> well, um, we're de- we're definitely feeling it. Um, and ter- so, it's interesting. This is the first time in in a shift where I am watching multiple markets. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm having fun, wa- like seeing how each market is pacing, and they're all very different. Um, and so that's that's been interesting. Um, but. Uh, now every market that we serve um, at Empower Home is now in the full shift. So yeah. we are seeing um, qu- quite the qu- quite the drastic uh, number decline in number of home sales. So um, our main market, which is DC Metro, is down eighteen percent year over year, and uh, we have one market that's down forty percent year over year wow. in terms of number of home yep. sales. So we're definitely feeling it, um, which is then causing a lot of emotional, uh, stress and anxiety, uh, for all of our team members. And, uh, and so right now, a lot of what I'm doing is, is managing that and, uh, and making sure that people do take care of themselves in the midst of all of this. And so, which is what we're going to be talking about today, but it's, it's so, this topic is so needed right now. That's for sure. I'm really curious. Are, are your markets with the lower price homes? Are they, slightly more stable or is there any like pattern in terms of all your different markets? No, it's kind of random. No. So, so higher end is actually not being hit as hard, um, mm-hmm. in all of the markets. Uh, mm-hmm. but no, um, our lower price homes because of the interest rate increase. Uh, sure. and so that it's definitely impacting first time home buyers. I mean, I think I, I said this already, but on a $400,000 house, you know, the interest rate change is a $600 in month payment. Mm-hmm. Just that. It's a lot. Yeah. It's interesting because in, in our brokerages, Sarah, it, the, you said that DC is down 18%. We're down 22%. So it's somewhat similar. I mean, it's statistically a little bit off, but not so different. So in Western Washington, on a blended average with all of our brokerages, we're down 22%. But based on what I'm seeing, and is that year I'm over seeing, year? Is that what you're talking that about? That is or? Uh, year to date to year to date, year over year. Mm-hmm. So Jan- and, and that, that is. Jan- is- is that your market or is that your, the offices? Oh, that's offices. That's our brokerages. So yeah. 
and which is a okay. good kind of benchmark, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so you're right. That's not our market. That that is our brokerages. But we have you know um, eight brokerages spanning Western Washington with 1,700 agents at, at all luxury, first time, everything in between. It's a pretty good benchmark. I would anticipate normally we're not that far off of the market. I can double check it. But um, based on what I'm seeing turned in for October, deals turned in, we're going to be down. We're going to, it's going to be 30% would be my guess by the end of this month. It's going to be our most statistically uh, shocking month, right? That, that like we've heard about it. We've been following it. We kind of started seeing it last month. I think we are really for the first time going to see it this month. And I, I started like bracing my leaders that between now and January, it's just going to be, you know, a tough four months for a lot of people in the real estate and housing industry. It's going to be especially tough with, with markets that are highly seasonal, you know, some of our friends that are in the, the colder markets. I mean, everybody's market is seasonal and, I know down in Texas, it's, you know, we're, you know, sometimes December can be one of our better months. And I know, for instance, in Maine, people don't buy houses then, you know, that's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Well, uh, so thanks for sharing that guys. Um, yeah, so it's tough. It's a lot of, a lot of anxiety, um, and uh, a lot of burnout after multiple years of, of stress. So today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to, re- first of all, we're going to rely heavily on Adam Grant, who uh, I feel like is at the forefront of talking about burnout um, and workplace fatigue. He wrote a great article about the great de- resignation. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ken Coleman with the Ramsey organization, they both are are talking a lot about it. So we're going to lean he- heavily on their research and, and their thoughts. And um, I love this quote by, uh, well, it was actually Adam Grant sent it on Twitter. He said, burnout is being overwhelmed by work. Bore out, so like boredom out, is being underwhelmed by work. So there's a difference. You got burnout mm. and you got bore out. And uh, That's interesting, the day- actually. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's part of it too, is, is people want, they want more out of their work. You know, they want more engaging work. But then he says, uh, the data says having too much to do is exhausting, but having too little to do is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. In idle time, motivation wanes. Sustaining energy depends on balancing what's meaningful with what's manageable. And so I thought this is probably mm-hmm. true in our industry as we have a lot of people who who aren't going out and doing. They're having more time to to sit around. Um, and so their motivation is waning for it. So well, we should, I mean, we should probably define burnout then because that's interesting. I've never heard bore out that, that, that really resonates with me. I wonder for how much of the time we're mixing the two up, but right. burnout is when you are mentally exhausted and, or emotionally overwhelmed. And it's like, yep. you're trapped in this, in this endless cycle, right. Of, of not enough sleep, too much caffeine just to make it through the day. And yet you don't really feel like you're, you're moving the needle. You know, you're just kind of go, it's like a hamster wheel and you feel like you're working, 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 and you're not really excited about it. You don't necessarily want to be there and you're not even seeing the results and reaping what you've sown. I mean, I, I think of that's how I think of burnout. Yep. But I don't know if you guys do or not. I, I think the key here is that the, you know, they're the two extremes, right? In terms of, and they all cause um, 
emotional tolls on us both both mm-hmm. and so i think what can be so hard um in life in general which is why we're a big believer on on this podcast about counterbalance is because you know a lot of times we want this middle of the road um part of our life and either like not enough to do and too much to do and it seems like yeah. w- don't we all like just give me one day where it's like the middle like i'm perfect perfectly <laughs> right i get all yes. my work done in 8 hours um and i'm yeah. working i'm productive the whole 8 hours I, so i feel like i got a lot done um i did have like, one day like that <laughs> i remember that i actually posted on facebook about it i was like you know what today i just feel like i have everything handled and everything under control and everything done it was great we get like I one day on like facebook that. yeah it was it was really good yeah and i love well, that that's but, a, a memory of yours <laughs> yeah yeah like, it's yeah. funny remember that but day it, <laughs> but it, but it's also the um, doing hard things is what uh, stimulates us as human beings. You know, I was listening mm-hmm. to Bre- Brene Brown this morning and she was talking about her framework for when you've got a new hard thing to do. And, you know, one, one of the first things that she does is just acknowledge it. Like, hey, this is different. Um, it's new. Uh, it's hard, right? It's just going to be hard for a while until we figure it out. And uh and the hard things are what what make us better and what make us grow and and actually give us the juice for a living. You know, people who aren't yeah. doing hard things, they're they're kind of dying in a way. So yeah, but it's also you can go too much that way, right? And that's what we're talking yep. about today. Yep. So and, bur- and burnout doesn't just um, happen at work, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think there's there's burnout with uh, demanding relationships. So I know so many of our listeners um, serve as a caretaker for mm-hmm. for their um, parents and or I was we had our raving fans dinner last night um, and I was sitting next to a client of ours and uh, they have a 22 year old um, disabled child and they were just talking to me about first of all what a gift it was to go out to dinner uh, and how much their entire life is taking care of now this adult child, um, but full-time caretaker, uh, and they don't know when that will ever end. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were just talking about how tired, how exhausting, how exhausting that is. And so it's not just work related, you know, you can have relationships, uh, to where their, your energy is just being completely, uh, depleted. Yep. Well, so, uh, now that we know kind of what burnout is, um, how does it happen? Right. I think the first thing is like, you don't, you're not passionate about what you do. 70% mm. of Americans don't like their jobs. Um, and that comes from not really understanding what you're good at and what, what you love to do, right. Or what you're passionate about or what, in, what's, what's interesting to you. And it's not like we're going to wake up every day and have a burning passionate, you know, passion for, everything we do all day long, but you want to go to work and, and it has to, needs to be something that you enjoy doing and that you like doing. So I think that's, that's a big one. Um, you can have a toxic workplace, right? And, um, uh, I don't know, how would you guys define a toxic workplace? Uh, undercutting. Ne- ne- negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going down, you know, over down. or under gossip. Gossip yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not feeling like you're doing anything right. I think there's a lot of workplaces that, that struggle with acknowledging, um, because so many entrepreneurs 
want perfection and right. So perfection is the enemy of progress as I say often. And what can happen sometimes is you then put the perfection on your team members, um, which then builds a toxic workplace for sure. Passive aggressiveness can cause a toxic workplace too, I think. Yes, Mm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lack of, lack of care, you know, in a way Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's maybe not overtly toxic, but it's not like a caring environment either where you just feel like nobody gives a crap about you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one, um, you've got bore out, right. Boredom, people who are bored at their jobs and then feeling overwhelmed. Like there's just so many things going on, um, you know, and, and then feeling underappreciated. So I have one to add, Wendy. I think um, one of the things I've learned over the last, you know, couple of years is that, that I think is common is just not knowing how you win at work, not mm-hmm. understanding what what your role is and what you do that that is, you know, that you should be doing. I mean, I just think people, most people show up to a role and they don't always know how do I win in this role. And so we joked about like, you know, this was our first ever pandemic and I want to win it because I started learning that like we, a a lot of us are wired to just need to have wins every day, Mm -hmm. every week, every month, every, and, and if you don't, I mean, you get burnt out if you just don't even know your, what you're doing matters or is moving the needle for you or anybody really. Um, yeah, the, the other, the other one I was, um, sharing with you guys earlier today. So I had my first ever, uh, therapy session. Uh, and I, I want to give everyone permission listening. This took me many years to have permission, uh, to get therapy. Um, and, uh, I think it's super important. It's my first one, <laughs> but it already has made a difference in my day. Uh, but one of the things She's that already she said evangelizing was, it. Yeah. I know. One I session. Know. <laughs> Two hours later. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it made a big difference for me. And what she said is a lot of times when we have feelings around something, it's because we're in misalignment of values. And mm-hmm. I think what can happen sometimes with, with work um, is, if, are you in alignment with the, your workplace, right? So like, I think burnout ha- happens when you are out of alignment on mm, yes. you, your values, as a yep. human being. That's and so really I think that point. that can, I think that can happen as well and cause burnout without us realizing that's what it is. Yeah. Um, no, that's huge. I think that's so good, Sarah. Yeah. I think that's so true. I've been examining that a lot lately. Um, and I think that, I think it comes up more than we realize. Sometimes it's like a subconscious thing, but when you mm-hmm. really think about it, it's, it's often just, you're like, Oh, it's a misalignment of values that I'm feeling. Or, or, you know, thinking it's usually feeling, well, speaking of feeling, because when we talk about, you know, the different kind of burnout, um, you know, what we've been talking about is sort of this general work burnout, but let's talk about mental burnout. And, and I think mm. that can be at work and, but it can be in, in all areas. So, you know, mental burnout would be, you know, situational depression. I, I wouldn't want to get, you know, just, I guess, just if you're suffering with mental health, you know, problems, we would urge you to, you know, seek professional counseling. And, and that's not necessarily what we're referring to. I think this is more like situational depression and, you know, just, just kind of hopelessness, frustration, lack of productivity, or just, you don't have that edge. You don't have that, you know, you're, you just, you're not on like you normally are just a lack of motivation, um, you know, getting started on something, continuing something, finishing something, feeling disconnected from your team, from your family, from your friends. That's a big one. 
uh, leadership lonely and and I think socially lonely is is a big one. Um, and you choose it because you, you're having this work hangover. You're kind of having this mental and physical work hangover. I, I relate to that one sometimes where you want to be social, but you just don't have the energy to be social on a Friday night. Uh, hopeless, impatient, kind of zoning out, overwhelmed, just feeling like you want to escape, feeling like you're kind of dialing it in and not really passionate about it anymore, right? Um, but but am, you mentioned physical. Am I the only oh, yeah. one that's like, am I the only one that's like, okay, we got we to gotta tell them what to do about it. <laughs> like, like, just, like because, I know like, it, because I'm like, I'm this is so depressing. All the burnout. I know, but it's important to, well, but I mean, sometimes people just need to know, like they need the hardest <laughs> yes. thing is to figure it out. It's, the, it's, I, I it's really the hardest thing is, is to, to, you know, cause I, my, uh, um, Angie on my team, um, our director of finance, she actually came to me. It was probably about a year ago. And she was like, I think I'm burnt out. Um, she had kind of self-identified it as, and, and her thing is travel. Like that is her happy place is travel. Mm. And, uh, and so we just instituted some stuff on our team where, you know, cause people also weren't taking vacations. Yeah. Um, they weren't taking time off. And so we actually put some things in place as a team where now everybody is required to take their time off. Uh, you know, everybody on our ops team has got one half day a month where they get that Friday off, you know, half day Fridays. Uh, but I thought it was really good of her to like identify it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of no, people that are that. listening, they don't, they don't know, know. why they're feeling that way. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I was just yeah. like, let's go. No, it's we, funny. Let's tell them how to fix it. Let's tell <laughs> let's them how fix to fix it. it. Let's, let's fix, fix it. it. No. Let's fix it. <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, what Bia was saying earlier in terms of, well, Brene Brown said that a lot of times when people do feel burnout, it's actually a lot, it's a loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're actually, they're actually lonely. Um, and I think that's what Mia was saying as well. It can be confusing knowing whether or not it's actual burnout from an overwork standpoint, or is it a, what's causing whatever yeah. emotion you're feeling is what I'm trying to say. Like it, it could be something else that's causing it. That's not even actual work, work, working the job. It's more of a feeling that you're having of loneliness that you need to, to be more open with those you do work with, something like that. I think that's so good, Sarah. And and I, I would say that the distinguishing factor is like when you are doing something that you, you're passionate about, you love, and or you really believe in the why, it typically gives you energy even through the hard things, which is why a lot of mm-hmm. books and authors and people like motivational speakers say, you know, do something that you least believe. If you don't love every aspect of it, like really love the why of it, right? And I think what when burnout's tough is it it takes way more physical and mental energy to do things you don't like doing. Yes. And then if you don't like doing it and you don't really believe in the why at a particular moment or in a situation, you are just you talk about a work hangover. I yeah. mean, you're just exhausted. And that exhaustion and then you, then you get on the hamster wheel the next day, that's what I think cycles into burnout. Yep. Which so is why was, our yeah. strengths episode, our strengths episode, um, is so, is so good on that because the more you're working within your strengths, um, the yes. more you will uh, not feel that way. Um, and so you will have so much joy and passion around that. So if you, if you haven't listened to that, dive into that episode, cause it's, a, it's a really good one to prevent for to help sure. prevent burnout. So maybe that's point number one of how you prevent burnout. Listen to our strengths episode. <laughs> and make sure you're working within your strengths. No, 
know. <laughs> well, okay. So speaking of it, so Wendy amazing Adam has this framework. great framework. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's hit it, girl. Yes. Let's get out of the want, want, was. Let's yeah. hit it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, well, so uh, Adam Grant has a great f- framework for thinking about burnout. Um, and he says the burnout is not necessarily a problem in your head, right? Uh, it's a problem in your circumstances. Okay, so it's where you're yeah. at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he argues that stress may be an, an inevitable. And I would argue that stress can actually be good. That's how you mm-hmm. handle stress. Uh, that's important. Uh, but burnout can be prevented and even reduced, even in high-pressure jobs, which a lot of us are. So it requires structural and cultural change. Um, and he's got a model for change called demand control support. And it's really a model for employers to use, um, which we're going to talk about. But even before that, we want to talk about what people can do for themselves because 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 yeah. some of you guys are on teams, on work for companies. Some of you guys are the ones that can control what happens in your environment. So we're actually going to break it down um, into, you know, what people can do to kind of help themselves with burnout and then what employers can do to help people not be burnt out in their organizations. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, what people can do to help themselves, we, we sort of have hit on some of it before, but you can, you can figure out and remember why you're doing this and what's the outcome and who are you doing this for? Why do you do what you do? I, I think this is best if it's others focused, if it's bigger than yourself, right? If, if, if there are sometimes temporarily in life, it might be to get on that vacation that you were talking about, Wendy, you know, sometimes we need those little things, but for the most part, if there's a bigger purpose, um, I think that that's easier to re- tie yourself, tie that to tie what you're doing to that. Uh, speak up when something is wrong. Be sure that Sarah talked about therapy, you know, get yourself a TheraCoach, uh, or that's what I call my, um, or a therapist, you know, get someone that you can talk to about this, um, you know, and, and say the word you know, identify that this may be burnout or this is burnout, right? Well, and, and I also think 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 of think about speaking out inside your organization, right? Mm. If you have some of those things, if you're in an organization that's toxic, if you mm. are struggling with some of these things, if you're not getting the support you need, mm. um, that can be hard. You know, yeah. uh, you, you may feel like you don't have a lot of power, uh, but sometimes you can speak up, and and sometimes honestly, the leader maybe doesn't even know, you know. Yeah, I, I think that this is important, and I know we're going to go into the framework for when you when you're leading. But as Via is mentioning these things, I'm thinking about like as the leader, how can I make sure that my people do feel like they can speak up? Because I think that that's mm-hmm. super important. Uh, we're saying no matter what, you need to speak up. And if if you are in a position of influence, even if you're not considered a, a leader, but you're you're an influencer, which everyone can be an influencer, right? I think anytime someone speaks up, I mean, the reason why I even am sharing that I'm in therapy is that I know that Sarah Reynolds sharing that she's in therapy will give permission for other people to do it. And the same goes here. If you're a leader or an influencer, say, give people, let them know that you've gone through burnout or you, you're burnt out. That then gives permission for other people to speak up. It's so powerful. Like the when we're vulnerable, it allows for someone else uh, to be vulnerable. So don't be a leader in your own organization by speaking up and saying something. Yeah, I love that. You know, identify the, identifying that, that that's what this is 
is really useful actually for your leader because then you can work together and, you know, and start potentially adding scope, adding responsibility, um, shifting to another, you know, another area or another department if you're, if your company's big enough. Right. So, so if you don't identify it and if you don't speak up, um, to both of your guys's points, then, you know, I always say that to, to my team, like, I can't solve a problem I don't know about. Like, mm-hmm. I certainly can't collaborate with you if I don't even know it's a problem, right? So what do I have to do as a leader to make you feel safe and secure bringing things up? Because then we can work together on this because I'm your partner. And so, yeah, 100%. And if you don't feel like you're working for someone that you're safe doing that, you know, um, I would I would encourage you to try and, and, you know, they, it, it, some people are really receptive to knowing they have a blind spot and you don't have to assume your leader is not going to be receptive to that. They may not be, but you know, I think you should try. I think that's what loyalty is. Side note. I think loyalty is at least treating someone like a partner and collaborating with them and not making unilateral decisions. I think too many people just default to quitting when they feel burnt out mm. and I, try it, try going mm. to your leader and working with them as a partner. And again, they may, they, it may not work, but it might. Yep. Yep. So smart. The other thing, the other thing that really helped me, um, with burnout, cause I, I was for sure feeling this when the market first started, uh, shifting and, you know, all of our roles as leaders are, are even more important right now than ever before. And so that means that we need to be careful with taking care of ourselves. And so you guys heard about Wendy's and Wendy and I's crazy fast that we did. Well, part of that, part of that program was we had to walk an hour a day. And so I got in sort of the habit of walking more. Um, and walking has helped me so much with preventing burnout. I mean, I am leading so much better. And I honestly feel like it's because I'm consistently taking walks. I love um, and so that's another thing that you can do uh, to help prevent work. Now. Well, and and uh, hopefully you guys heard, um, you listened to Sarah's health journey, which was uh, in November. And uh, it's a very powerful, it's just a really, it's, I loved doing that with you. And um, I think that that episode is going to impact a lot of people because your health journey has been so, so, so powerful. So, and if you guys are curious about self-care, um, definitely listen to episodes 62 and 63. We talk all about self-care and all the different kinds of self-care. So not just physical self-care, but I think we talked about like uh, emotional self-care, friendship self-care, you know, doing your taxes can be self-care, things like that. So if you haven't, if you, if you are a newer listener, then definitely go back and listen to 62 and 63 because those were some really powerful ones. Love that. So what... What else can we do in terms of as an employer, as, as leading people in terms of, um, Adam built a pretty awesome framework around that. Um, what else can we do in that regard to prevent burnout for our people? Yeah, well, I think, um, Adam talks about demand, control, and support. That's his little framework. And demand is really about making structural changes that lighten the load on the person doing the job or redistributing tasks. Okay. So it's really looking at, uh, and this is how you can elevate people in your organizations too, is, is, as they get, as your organization grows, they get better and better at certain things. Then you take other things off their plate that maybe are, 
they're not that good at them or uh, maybe somebody else could do them better or, you know, maybe it's just not their focus. Um, and, you know, sometimes you can do that with a, a junior member of the team. Um, I know some people have done that with like uh, virtual assistants in the Philippines. Um, that can be super helpful. So just identify the, the elements of the role that deplete them, right? They might energize somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. But what's depleting you and then reduce those. Right. And you can do that through another person or you can also do it through automation. Mm -hmm. Right. How can you, how can you become more efficient and do your time and have have software or something like that do the work for you? Can I add one thing to that, Wendy? Yeah, I love that. And I think that for certain people. So just be, you know, for I'm talking to the leaders that that, you know, maybe employ people, um, especially salespeople they need a challenge. You know, when we talked about this a little bit earlier. So if you're going to lighten the load, be sure that you're balancing that on the other side with potentially something more exciting and, you know, like a bigger goal or a bigger challenge for them. They actually thrive on the challenge. Now, not everybody does, you know, so you have to kind of know the behavioral styles, but when you lighten the load, then I think you can start running that risk of the bore out bore out, we call it, I think mm -hmm. now. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just my first thought when I was listening. I'm like, yeah, for some people, that's good. For some people, you need to make sure that you're driving even more forward now if they're lightening some of the, the back end mm -hmm. load. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the second piece of it is control, right? Um, so you can let, you can lighten the load, um, but then also making sure that you are really, um, giving them the skills that they well, need to handle before it. Before we jump into that, can can I just do say one more thing on demand that I thought was important? Of course. Um, so one of the things that we did when we, uh, when we went virtual during the pandemic was we put a lot of, of, I feel like, better systems in place around communication. We started using Slack, mm. which is essentially kind of like project management and email management software. And um, that's been really great because now we kind of have office hours. You know, before it was a lot of text messaging, a lot of group message texts, yeah. and um, Slack has been great. So employees can just be like, I'm taking a break. I'm, I'm focusing right now. I'm, you can't get a hold of me. Um, and it just puts, it compartmentalizes. So there's not a lot of wasted time with a lot of back and forth stuff. Um, so if you feel like you're, if you're spending a tremendous amount of time on email and also just, it's just understanding, like, do 10 people need to be on every email that goes out? Yeah. No. I know some organizations where literally everybody is CC'd on everything and you oh. almost need an assistant just to manage your email every day. Sounds and horrible. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. So well, just think about that. I, I think you bring the the point in that, Wendy. I think that's a powerful point. So thank you for making sure we get it mentioned. The point in that is a lot of times people look at someone's job description or their tasks, and then they're thinking like, oh, they don't have that much to do. But what Wendy's talking about is how much of their brain space are you using? Like if you're ceasing yeah. them on things that they don't need to know about, you are actually draining their their brain mm -hmm. now, that's not on their job description that's not a task they have to do but are there there are there things that you could set up in your organization systems wise to prevent as many as much brain power going uh, being wasted on something um, to make sure that you're saving their brain space for the most important things that they do I think that's 
very powerful what you brought up. Smart. Well, and for those of you that are in real estate, I can remember I learned this from Lance Loken. He's and you you guys maybe do this too. We have a we have a Slack channel for every listing that we have, right? And every buyer. And it's great because you can just like pop in and out and you can see what's going on. Or if, if I know I have to have a hard conversation or something's going on, just go back to that Slack channel. You get to read everything that you, so you, you walk in, you feel very informed about what's Mm -hmm. going on. And it's not a lot of like text messaging and so much happens outside text messaging back and forth, sending an email back and forth and not everybody's looped in. And so this way everybody can kind of choose to know everything. They can, they can pop in and pop out without having to, to actually, actually coalesce it themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So good. So, I mean, so going back to the second piece, which was, is control as, as the leader, as the employer, you get to, you get to control in terms of, um, how you set them up for success in terms of, um, building their skills. And teach and teaching them, or you know, like once I saw the impact that walking had on my life, you know, I immediately started a walking steps competition for my entire organization. And so everyone's outside walking, we're passing each other, competing for steps all day now. Um, and so it that. has helped the whole organization relieve their their stress a little bit, and also making sure that we're teaching those skills along the way to know when they do, are burnt out. What are the things that they can do? Because some of the things aren't related to work. And and you as their leader are teaching them how to deal with burnout will actually help them in all the circles of their life, not just Absolutely. in the work circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the third one is support. I was still listening to you just now, yeah, by the yeah, way, yeah. side note. Well, I, I was mean, like letting also, that absorb. I'm like, oh wait, I'm next. <laughs> and also Sarah, so like when, it, when you, when you think about control, it's like giving people more autonomy over their work is kind of how I view yes. this, which is, mm. um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, you, you can't control everything that goes, obviously we can't control everything, right? A lot of us are control freaks, but we can't control most things. We can only control our reaction to them, but you can give people more autonomy at work, which is like, Hey, set somebody up for success. Hey, here's a project I want you to own completely. I'm going to, you're going to take complete ownership over it. Here are my expectations. These are the outcomes that I want, but you're going to own it. You're going to own it. You're going to live it. You're going to do it. And, and, and if you're not having success and you and I are going to get back together, we're going to figure out what we're going to do to, to, uh, make it better. Um, so, you know, that's a good point, Wendy. Really so good. the other thing that the other thing that you can do is to help um, people set their own goals, right? In any, whether they're a real estate agent, whether there's there's somebody else on their team, um, but you might have an outcome that you want, right? And then and they can have more autonomy over achieving that outcome because that that reduces burnout too. Because when people feel like they're they can't control anything, who wants to work in an environment like that? You know, and there oh, are yeah. lots of ways to achieve something. There might be a best way, but there also might be a different way that's also a best way, right? They might say, "Hey, let's try it this way," you know, and be and be open to something like that. Um, and then some way that people can have control is to allow flexible hours or hybrid work, mm-hmm. right? I know, mm-hmm. I know both of, both of you allow this in your organization and, mm-hmm. and that matters a lot to people, especially after yep. these last two years of the pandemic. I mean, people are literally quitting their jobs because they, they want to have more control and flexibility out of their hours. They're probably working more than they've ever worked. 
And they're like, why do I need to be there at 7.30 in the morning? Or why do I need to leave at this? You know, why do I need to stay till such and such? So, so that kind of control, giving people control back over what they do and their time and things like that is also, uh, can help with burnout a lot. So good. You know, it's interesting when you talk about autonomy, I think that's a really good transition into the third one, um, which is support. It is a basic human need, the need for autonomy and, and the need for freedom to, you know, act on your own volition. And so I think that probably a lot of burnout, if we're really looking at it, may boil down to autonomy. And so what if you're looking, if you're like, well, I can't really give my people autonomy, I don't know that they whatever, look at who you're hiring because, you know, if they can't handle an autonomy to move the needle in the role they need to move the needle in, they're probably not the right person. And, um, I think autonomy is, is very, um, it's a very complex concept at work. Andy Stanley on leadership does a really great podcast. And one of the best episodes is on autonomy. And he's like, well, you actually don't want autonomy. And the fact is, we have a human need to have autonomy. So what does that look like in the workplace? That might be a good episode to like riff off of this. Mm, think think about toddlers, okay? This is where it shows up. It shows up in human beings at age two. No, right? That's how we know it's a basic mm-hmm. human trait yeah. is it shows yeah. up very early on in human mm-hmm. beings, right? And so if you're constantly telling your kid, you have to do this, you have to do that, like you, everybody's heard, like you need to choose your battles, that's really what you're talking yeah. about at work. Not that you're right. choosing your battles, but you're really saying like, here, you can you can pick out your outfit for the day, yeah. right? Or, yeah. or you get to choose this, you know, you don't get the choice around breakfast, but you get to choose a snack this afternoon, right? And people are like, good, I have some control over my day, yeah. right? Do you want mm-hmm. eggs or cereal? It's not, do you want yeah. breakfast? It's, do you want eggs yeah. or cereal? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, let's, let's exactly. go into the third one, the third admin grant. So, you know, the first one was demand, the second was control, and the third one support. And that, that really is supporting people through burnout and, you know, organizationally, certainly. So creating a culture that makes it easy to request and receive help. Translation, be a safe place for people to talk about this at, right? So, you know, we just want to be sure that as, as empire builders and as, as business owners, we're providing, uh, you know, the type and, and the, the amount of support needed, right? That, that frequency is going to probably ebb and flow depending on what's happening in the world. Like we needed more support during COVID and the heat of COVID, right? Than maybe other times. Um, but, you know, if you have an, an open culture that, that supports this, um, you know, it, it, you would be inviting employees to like take advantage of it. It's one thing to say, oh, it's here. It's here on a list of services we offer, but really making that part, making sure that all of the managers or everyone on your team knows enough about what you have available to suggest it to people. And so that people actually use it. You know, I think that it's one thing to have a menu. It's another thing to get people to order from it. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that what we're all saying is that as leaders, when we open up about our challenges and when we, when we, when we open up, like when Sarah says, Hey, I went to, I went to therapy this morning, right? It shows others that this is normal. It normalizes the struggle that is life <laughs> because nobody said life was not going to be a struggle. It just, there's, it will be, yep. it will always be a struggle. And yep. so if you as the leader can normalize this and talk about it, it then makes it really safe for others to talk about it. And when you say, Hey, I made sure that as an organization, 
you know, you guys have the best support at your disposal. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's, you know, this or that. Sometimes it's making sure that mental health is in our health insurance. You know, it's, it's yep. just, it's just double checking these things, right. That, you know, at a very baseline, they're going to have 24 visits covered that year that yep. they need. Right. Yep. So yeah. Anything else that you guys can think of for, for support? No, I think that's, I think that's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well guys today, I thought, I think this episode was so timely, um, it even was. though we're gosh, two and a half years into the pandemic, there are still so, so many people who are feeling burnt out, anxious, lonely, disconnected, frustrated, all of the things. And, and I actually think what we're, what we're experiencing is we're seeing uh, we're seeing a shift in human consciousness right now around what we want at work. And it's very different. And that's, it's that, that alone, it can be very discombobulating for the world. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing that all over the place. Um, and so- Yeah, quiet quitting. I mean, what, you know, I mean, yeah, there's so much it's going a big on shift. right now. It is a yep. big shift in American and, and actually all over the world consciousness about what work should look like. Um, and that's just, change is hard. You know, change is hard. We're, we're wired to do the same thing all the time. We like to do the same thing every time. And so change is hard. So just understand that's okay. Um, I love how we talked about doing hard things is, is actually a part of also a part of being a human. And so we have to work our way through those and then just take some of the frameworks that we talked about today, which is, you know, under, understanding and feeling when you've got burnout, like listening to your body. Um, and then some of the tactics that we talked about, how you can help burn out. And then if you're a leader or if you have, uh, can influence a leader uh, to make your workplace a better uh, place so that people aren't burning out, then you want to use Adam Grant's demand control support methodology. Uh, and hopefully this will allow you guys to go out and uh, build these big businesses where people don't want to leave right? They really want to stay. And also they can take that and lead a big life. So thanks for joining us today. Have a great one. Bye Bye, guys.